Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. My fire, my one. What? D's. It's Backstreet Boys piece. Desires believe when I say I'm running out of songs that say boys. Let's hear it for the boys. I'm Alex. It's crazy, Alex, because that was that was an actual recording of Uh I want it that way. Or were you doing? I couldn't actually tell the difference if it was a record, an actual recording. No, that was AJ. AJ was uh, singing that for the Backstreet Boys. Yes. Wow. Uh, great. Of course I know AJ. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And I want it that way. I want that recording of that song. We, we don't need to uh, point out how old we are all the time. We can just, like, you know, talk yo, about uh, the yo, show. Are you calling Backstreet Boys old? Because they yeah. still tour, man. All right? That's not, That's not a, a way of being not old is not saying they still tour. I hate yeah, to tell thank you. you. Thank no, you. No, but it's like it's like how they talked about Spice Girls in the first season of The Boys, right? Like I love to get into those kitschy ninety bands that old folks like, and young folks like me are like in it uh, and, and super into it. And I'll tell you another thing about young folks like me: we love using the word "folks." Yes, oh, definitely <laughs> very folksy. Uh, you're the youngest guy in a rocking chair I think I've ever seen. Mm, uh, no. I also think anyone that tours, young people's music don't they don't tour. They right. exist on the on the internet, right? It's like wow. uh, that movie Lawnmower Man, another current reference that I'm going to make. <laughs> what is what is happening? <laughs> what is happening is we're going to be talking about the second episode of season two of The Boys. Proper preparation and planning. Now, usual requisite spoiler warning: if you haven't seen the episode, turn away now. Go watch it. Come back. Listen to this because we're going to spoil the crap out of it. But before we do, there is one thing that I wanted to talk about. We touched about this a little bit at the end of the last episode, and we've mentioned it before on the podcast. Uh, but Justin, you worked on the after show. Yes. The after, Prime after. Rewind Inside the Boys. That's and there's correct. one thing. I have a bone to pick with you. Ooh, oh, good. I'm full you. of bones. If you search for Inside the Boys on Apple TV, yes. it doesn't come up. You have to search for Prime Rewind. Yes. Why did you make that decision? Uh, as you know, um, anyone who works on a show gets a lot of stake in the um, search engine optimization side of it. Um, we wanted people to really, um, when who are already searching for the term inside the boys, to go their own way. <laughs> you know, this is a prime rewind inside the boys. Oh, wow, uh, gotcha. The real uh, reason, if I had to speculate, I don't know this for a fact. I think there will be future Prime Rewinds right. for future television shows. Prime Rewind mm. inside Carnival Row, Prime Rewind inside Mozart in the Jungle, etc. All yeah. that stuff. They're definitely going to go backwards and start to <laughs> Prime Rewind. That's what the Rewind is. You really yes. rewind time. 
So since this is dropping the same time as three episodes of The Boys, three episodes of Prime Rewind, there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, I I did want to ask you, though, about before we get into the episode about the production of the show, because mm. I know I'm a little in the tank, you being a friend on the podcast and all, yeah. but <laughs> just the podcast. You are just a friend? He's Definitely. just a friend on the podcast? A you friend say, to the podcast. Is you say he's just a friend. The- You're definitely in the tank. In, let's go I, Prime Rewind what? inside the tank. I, I was telling you this before we uh, hit record and everything. I was really impressed with the production friends. of the show, particularly because it was all done in quarantine. And I was curious if you give any insight on how that was put together. Yeah. Um, I mean, it w- the whole thing was done over Zoom. We all, the whole team really, because this was also early. Um, there are a lot of, there are a fair amount of productions that have gone on through COVID. But this, we were, we started the process in like the end of May, I want to say. Um June, maybe June. Um, and so it was like a lot to pull together. We were all figuring everything out over Zoom. And then the actual shooting of it, every all of the, the actors and anybody talent appearing on camera had to have a whole camera package delivered to their home. A technician, the, the talent left the house. A technician went in there, set it all up. They left. And then the talent was like, they were rolling on their camera on their own. They... Um, had to like adjust their sound the sound levels like they had to do all the things you normally have like five ten people there to do and they were doing it themselves and then Aisha Tyler the host um, she actually went to a studio in LA um, and uh, was there they COVID tested everyone with the instant COVID test like it was it was a lot to pull together um, in a very quick fashion and it uh, it looks great for being made in those circumstances I think. Yeah, I was really impressed. I mean, I felt like, I mean, who knows what's going to be the future of entertainment or anything like that. But the idea that it moved, it moves like an after show, which I think is something that I haven't seen anybody effectively reproduce at this point is very impressive. Just the pace of the conversation happening in real time. Every other thing is always like, oh, is your zoom on? Zoom on. And everybody's in different heights of the camera. But here... I know it feels probably like a little thing to people outside, but when you think about the production, it's an insane thing that it looks as good as it did. And I think that goes to the people that, because I was on the you know front end side as a, uh, I wrote a lot of this stuff in the script, so I didn't have anything to do with that. So I can compliment them um, in an unbiased way. Like to pull that together is so hard and requires so much foresight. And then in the moment, like, Adjustment, but like we had to test in pre-interviews with all the talent. It was like time to check your internet, and we had to have like uh, Giancarlo Esposito check his internet speed and like doing all that <laughs> upload download stuff. So like it, it it is like a highly technical thing as well as being like turn your turn your laptop a little bit up or shift this yeah. so we can see you. I love the idea of Giancarlo Esposito. You being like, hey, can you go to uh, internetspeedtest.com and just a five minute stare at you? So he's like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is a villain in all aspects of his life. Yes, of course. Uh, well, it's very cool. Definitely check out the show. It's also beyond the production aspects. It's a fun show and it's a funny show. Yes, yes. Uh, not not as good as this after show. Of, for the of course. Oh, wow. Well, right. this is the baton passes as I built into when I was working on mm-hmm. the inside the, inside the boys. I made sure that there was a baton pass to our podcast yeah. uh, over the course as we um, go inside inside the boys. Since uh, we're fielding questions for you here, Justin, I, I have one. Um, 
did you just kind of to apply for this job, just be like, hey, I've actually been doing a podcast about this exact show, so I'd be perfect for writing a show where we talk about this show afterwards? Uh, no, I did mention it, um, and people were like, cool, man. Whatever. <laughs> You're like, this is my second time around actually uh, wrapping up this show, so I think I got it pretty... I think I got it. But they were definitely interested in looping in the comic book as a uh, just a thing to have knowledge of over the course of the, the writing and production of the show. Yeah. All right. Cool. Again, everybody check it out. Let's jump into the episode proper here. Broad overview of the plot. Um, we're finally uh, flashing back, dealing with what happened with Butcher the last season. We pick up there, uh, find out that he was essentially saved by his wife, Becca, making a deal with Homelander. Homelander, on the other hand, as we saw the last episode, is showing up ingratiating himself into Becca's life, trying to train his son to be a superhero. She has raised her son very specifically not to be a superhero. So a significant friction point going on there over the course of the episode as they sort of parry against each other. And as usual, Becca finds out no matter how much she tries to escape from Homelander, you just can't get away from him. It only makes things worse because he's a sociopathic asshole. Uh, on the other hand, uh, back with the other members of the Seven, we find out a little bit more about Stormfront, our newest member, as Starlight, and I'm sure we'll get into this quite a bit, kind of uh, sort of wants to be friends with her a little bit, at least appreciates her honesty as they go on a girls get it done junket uh, to introduce uh. the new super female, super power, girl power side of the team as pushed by Ashley uh, in this episode. Uh, and at the same time, uh, Starlight is trying to get back the compound V that she blackmailed Gecko for. Uh, and oh, uh, that starts to go a little wrong when it turns out that A-Train is not only alive and not only awake, but very much back to, no pun intended, full speed uh, and ready to torture her <laughs> as well, though they hit a bit of a detente by the end of the episode. Meanwhile, the deep is getting in deeper with the Church of the Collective. He is learning about them and finding out that they may have a way for him back into the Seven. And in order to do that, he has to take a bunch of shrooms and talks to his gills, played by who else? Pat Oswald. Uh, if you're yes. going to get gills, uh-huh. get Pat Oswald. I always say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. And on the boys' side of thing. Uh, they go after the soup terrorist and find out an interesting twist. The soup terrorist is actually Kamiko's brother who was given superpowers after she was given superpowers and escaped, um, or I guess was imprisoned in America. Uh, and uh, they fight with him. They go back and forth. Eventually there's a breakup of the siblings and ultimately they take him hostage probably isn't the word to word, but they capture him and they need to figure out what to do next. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's again, a very broad overview. Uh, the other actually big conflict we should talk about over the course of the episode is that Huey is not very happy that Butcher is back to the point that by the end of the episode, Butcher knocks Huey out, completely knocks him down. Uh, so there you go. That's a broad overview. I think that's a good place to start with is the Butcher Huey conflict. Pete, How'd you feel about that? You're a fan of Butcher. You're a fan of Huey. How you feeling here? Are you which team are you on? Uh, I'm definitely uh, team Butcher, but I think that uh, Huey is understandably upset because he feels betrayed by Butcher, and he feels like he doesn't really care about this team, and he has validity in that. Uh, it seems Butcher is more interested uh, in 
not so much the team and how everybody is doing, but about kind of taking care of business, whatever, whoever it, that means, you know, whatever the consequences. So Huey is, you know, coming at it from a little bit more kind-hearted kind of way, cares about the team, and thinks that it, things will go worse when Butcher is there. And he's kind of right. Things do go bad when Butcher is around. Uh, so he does have, uh, but sometimes, you know, friends just got to punch each other in the face and then things can, you can move past it, you know? So it's understandable when somebody, you know, punches their friend in the face. Yeah. We've resolved so many conflicts with a great punch in the face. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully punching Matt in the face, Nat in the face one day and it'll be a glorious day. Great. Oh yeah. This is, this is on our live show. We have a longstanding thing. Uh, where Pete is going to punch one of our frequent guests, Nat, in the stomach. And Nat uh, caused the coronavirus shutdown in order to stop it. And we haven't had a live show since then. So, yeah, yeah. that's pretty dark. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, I'll uh, tell you what. Uh, oh, go ahead, Justin. No, you what can you go. Uh, I, I was just going to say sort of in response to that, that I think there is part of it that Huey is a kind hearted guy, but I also think he is going about it wrong. Like, he's not doing it the right way either. Butcher is definitely over the top, as he cops to by the end of the episode where he admits that Becca is alive. He admits that he cheated the boys out of a deal. His whole deal was to find Becca. But for the first time, he asked for their help, and he says, please, I need you. So he's softening a little bit, even as he's going over the top. Um, But they need him. They need that aggression. And Huey... Uh, frankly, is just too weak for this line of work. He can't love super terrorists into submission. Yeah, and also, like, if you go go up against Ho- Homelander, who is a psychopath, you need someone like Butcher, who is a psychopath. Well, but I also think there's definitely like a my two dad situation here. Like you've <laughs> got you've got Butcher, who's the tough dad, and Huey, mm-hmm. who's the like the dad who wants to, to hug. Yeah, he and wants I, to be your friend. And I think. It's interesting. I feel like Huey likes, you know, he likes his spot in the boys now. And I feel like Butcher coming back is like good in a way, but also it's a little bit of a threat to the way he was sort of is like the wonderkind who came through big uh, through all of last season. So it's an interesting combination um, because I do think Butcher is too much of an asshole and Huey is too soft. Maybe they can find some sort of common ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also Huey's been stepping up, right? Or at least in his mind, he's been stepping up, even if Mother's Milk called him out about it. The fact that, (coughs) excuse me, he and Starlight did manage to get the V. They have been in contact. They have been moving this whole plan forward while everybody's been hiding out and doing Victorian dollhouses. Uh, he, He is moving forward in terms of this plan. And also, if you look at the first season in particular, a lot of those things, regardless of what they say, happened because of Huey. He was the one yeah. who put it in in the clinch and made it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and, and by that you mean shoved a bomb up a dude's ass. Well, he didn't shove the bomb up there, but he did blow up the bomb. Or like at the Believe Expo, he was the one who got the blackmail when things yeah. went horribly wrong. At the end of the season, he was the one who saved Mother's Milk and Frenchie, uh, even if it was ultimately Starlight that stepped up. So like, I think he has a leg to stand on there. And then yeah. Butcher comes in and says, Daddy's home, and shuts him down and <laughs> just so dismissive. But I think yeah. they both have this quote-unquote superpower of being in impossible situations and somehow finding solutions. Like, yeah. the two of them specifically get away with murder, uh, essentially, when it comes to these soups, being able to just 
to kill them with a look, and they somehow navigate around these situations. And I think that's that's gives them respect. I think for for each other. Yeah, I mean the thing that's really uh, frustrating. And I'm sure we'll get into this. Is just Huey's still uh, you know lying to Starlight, and it's like you know what is what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? Well, why do you think he's doing that, Pete? I don't know, but it's driving me nuts because it's like she says to him, like, don't lie to me. I know when you're lying to me and he can't help himself. He's still I don't know why he can't trust the one person who's like saved his ass, saved his team's ass and is really doing a lot uh, for trying to make things right. Well, but I also think like he doesn't know if he could trust like she's in such a compromised position. He's in a bad position. I feel like he's doesn't he's just panicking. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Uh, Let's move on, though, to another member of the boys. And I mean, I think this touches on it a little bit. The fact that Butcher is immediately literally gunning for Kamiko's brother he kind of turns out to be right there, right? Like, she tries to protect him, they talk, but ultimately he's on the side of the Shining Light Liberation Army. She tries to remind her brother, look at all these terrible things that they did to us, and he says, no, 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 look at all the terrible things the Americans do. Which, again, like the Huey Butcher situation, is something that I think potentially you could fall on either side side there. Um, But if we want to believe that the boys ultimately are the good guys, Butcher is correct, Kamiko's brother is a bad guy. They do have to take him down, right? Sort of, but I also think they're both right in in this way. Like, I think that's what this show does such a good job of muddying the waters, where it's not like, it's hard to be like, this is the worst person on the show, and they're always wrong, or they're always mm-hmm. uh, someone who I only hate. They don't want the show to be that simple, so everything's a little more complicated. Like, the the uh, the Army of the Shining Light, is it? Uh, like what we don't know that what that is right mm-hmm. right we so just like, know that they they hate Voight uh, yeah. they hate soups uh, and they want to take them down and they want to take down that whole system and and the thing that's funny about it is that's what the boys want to do yeah so they kind of should be on the same side right that's what I think the whole thing is like purposefully muddy and it's everybody being like well I gotta do this bang yeah Bang. I wish they would say that on the show more. I wish instead of shooting guns, they would just say, bang. It's, it makes it easier to know what's happening. It's also tough because it's like, uh, you know, the, the female, she's like, hey, you shouldn't be with these guys. They're bad. It's like, well, two seconds ago, you just, you know, popped the dude's head off. So it's like, you know, it's not real clear, you know, you guys are good guys, you know. Well, to be fair, the dude she ripped the head off of owned a costume store and those people are inherently evil (laughs) yes come on man Uh, no there's something weird about costume stores yeah the guy who owns uh owned halloween adventure johnny halloween adventure bad guy (laughs) come on very bad guy they make the costumes out of uh skins they skin all of those things and then they hang them up there yeah exactly when was the last time you saw frankenstein because these costume store <laughs> monsters, they're the mm-hmm. real monsters. Wow. They keep killing Frankensteins and skinning them. Oh, do you know like, uh, when's the last time you saw Sexy Cat Lady? Same thing. They skinned oh, her and they hung her on a hook. That's right. Sexy Cop, her too. And they somehow made the skin smell like the cheapest plastic you can find on Earth. Yeah, well, it's all in the tanning of the... Yes, it's too a, quite, a, quite a process. <laughs> Definitely too too much thinking about it. Too deep. 
that's a great it's transition so to talk about the deep and his storyline having to do with the Church <laughs> yeah. of the Galactic. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff right there. You did that Peach. on purpose. You just go pervy, so then you can be like, now we're in the deep, so <laughs> might as well. The funny thing is we taped this over Skype, so I was watching Pete's face while I saw that, and he was just already shaking his head a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, full minute. You can tell Pete really leans back from the mic because he's like, I'm not contributing to this. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the deep storyline, though. Uh, this is, I think, such a fun, good place to take him. We talked about how much of a line they walked in the last season and where they're taking this him in this season gets him even farther away from that line in the right direction because you don't feel bad for him. You don't want him to get redemption for being a sexual harasser, potential rapist, but diving into that psychology, his reasons for doing it and figuring out what makes him tick is a fascinating place to go and doing it by having him trip on shrooms and talk to his gills is the funniest way of doing it possible. Definitely. It really, it really is. I mean, and it's, it's also really interesting how much they pay off about the deep as far as like, if you paid attention to him, like he always, kept his vest zipped up and was very weirded out by his gills. And like now we're seeing why, and they're really paying that off. It was such small little things, but man, uh, it's crazy to kind of hear him talk about how ugly he thinks he is and all these kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, just having him trip balls and talk about it and having Patton Oswalt be the voice was just so magical. Yeah, and again, I mean, we talk about this a lot with this show, but especially this season, like, they find a way to get deep in on this character that you don't, you know, you don't really like. Have it be super funny, but also, like, super heartfelt and revelatory um, as you're going down uh, deeper, deep into deeper, uh, is is great. And What? Uh, you just said going down deeper on the deep. Like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, well, this is a section of our show called Inside the Deep. Yeah. <laughs> Get there. It's uh, we're deep. Be careful yeah. when we come up so we don't get the bends. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the line last time I did shrooms, I was at a Goo Goo Dolls concert with some poly side chick. Wait, wait, wait. Spot on. Wait. Spot on the deep. Yeah, that was just yeah. That was just. Uh, it was yeah. like. Does he? I marked this down. Such does he, a picture. Does he? Is he listening to Goo Goo Dolls when he's hanging out in the room by himself? Yes. Yes, he's listening to Goo Goo Dolls at that point. So another fun detail. Uh, there, his his gills are gross, though, right? Wow, wow! You're, 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 don't you shame body shame him. You're gill shaming. I don't yeah. want to gill shame him or body shame him, but you gross. are. Stop I don't know. it! They're disgusting. Oh, wow, you're disgusting. Chase Crawford is a very handsome man. Don't get me wrong; he has a very nice body. The deep, the gills are gross. You're you think gross. you like them, Pete? No, I, it, whatever, it doesn't matter. But like saying that they're gross, you know, that's the whole thing about like how he feels ugly because of the gills. He should, they're gross. You're a fucking asshole. Do you, do you not like the way they look, Alex, or the way that they talk or the way that they sing? Uh, I love the way they sing. The harmonizing was just, I mean, you know, from my singing at the beginning of the episodes of the podcast that I am a real appreciator of the oh, uh, appreciator appreciator of the musical arts. That's uh, a real so word. I think the harmonizing that uh, Patton Oswald and Chase Crawford do there when they're singing together is on par with my singing at the beginning of the episode, which is Let's, to say 11 out of 10. 
Go Let ahead. me throw this out there because uh, I feel like maybe you're gill shaming because you yourself have gills. Because I also yeah. noticed when you were singing at the beginning of the episode, your mouth wasn't moving. <laughs> Who's gross oh, now? And maybe I'm tripping balls because I am, but I think <laughs> that Alex has gills. And proof. Well, I'll never spill whether I have the gill, but I will oh. move on and talk about another plot line here, specifically Starlight's plot line, uh, because this is gets into what I've said ad nauseum is my favorite aspect of the show, just the media criticism, yeah. parody, satire, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the junket is so great. So funny. So, so good. spot on. And we've all been to junkets, and they're like... Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, I hate junkets. I, I hate them. Nobody I just, likes them. No, I do. Like, you go to them, and exactly, for anybody who's never been there, the idea of people going in one after the other, chipper hosts asking the exact same questions, and the interview subjects having to be surprised every single time is exactly what it's like. And it's exhausting and it's terrible. They need to do all these things. They have hot lights on them all day and they're supposed to be fun, but it's punishing. And my problem with them is as an interview, I got, I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. Even if I come with the weirdest question in the world, there's a good chance they're going to be annoyed by it. It's been five hours or where they've been talking to other people, or I'm just going to ask the same question as somebody else. And plus the fact that most junkets, if you're doing TV stuff, you're going to get them in slots where it's either four minutes or eight minutes, eight minutes of your broadcast, four minutes otherwise. So it's just jamming this thing where you're like, I need to make an immediate bond with this person. And it's so big and so fake and terrible. This is a long way of saying I think they perfectly capture that feeling, granted, from the talent side, uh, but it's perfect. They didn't cover the press side, the part that really gets us as yeah, uh, journalists. Exactly. Yes. But let me We're say not uh, journalists. We are. Um, uh, I'll back that up with this. Um, I did a press junket, um, and I interviewed George Lucas um, uh, many years ago for the movie, one of his most popular movies, um, Strange Magic, the animated feature that he made. <laughs> that was That's right. We were, we were both at that one, but for different yes. outlets, competing for, outlets. We were competing to get the big, the big story. And here's what I did. Uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask him something different. So I said <laughs> to George Lucas... Uh, which finger would you choose to rule the world? A quote from the movie Willow, a huge fan. He looked at me like a deer in headlights and was like, he looked at me like, what are you doing? And then goes, that's mine. I'm, I wrote that. I was like, yes. And that was then, it was, that was the time was up right on that question. I was like, great. Killed it. Thanks, man. Oh, man, that's great. That was a great movie. That was definitely, now we're getting way too in the weeds here. But I remember my boss coming up to me for that junket and being like, I'm going to make one of your dreams come true. And I was like, what? What is it? He's like, you're going to interview George Lucas. And I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. But he's like, for his new animated movie, Strange Magic. And I was like, oh, that's less cool. <laughs> it is less cool. That movie, which incorporated like 70s pop music into a... Sort of fantastical animated tale. Yeah, not great. Uh, but definitely check out our podcast for where we do the Strange Magic Minute. Uh, we discuss a minute yeah. of the movie <laughs> at a time. It's a very bad, very boring podcast. Uh, let's talk about the Starlight thing. What was your guys' take, our big takeaways from that storyline? Well, I what I like about Starlight in this episode is you get to see her, like, 
be powerful, but also struggle with things. Like, the way that she handles A-Train, though, was quite magical. Uh, but just, like, the ebbs and flows of that, of her, like, thinking she's in trouble, but then finding kind of, like, a way to just be like, I'm, I'm fucking so over this, fuck this, you know? Uh, but it's fun because it's Starlight is very much like you wonder if she's going to turn into Maeve or like how it's going to be because, uh, uh, you know, you see definitely moments where it's it kind of has a, you to survive this type of stuff. You got to have a Maeve personality where she, I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you want, you know. Well, and I think uh, this was fun because you get to see Starlight liking Stormfront and you see like, oh, maybe she has an ally on this team because Stormfront is like is vo- giving voice to all the stuff that she thinks is horrible. And uh, it's nice. And especially with Maeve always withdrawing, I think what Starlight likes is it's someone that she can engage with that feels like a peer. Who? Uh, I, I Cash is great and Stormfront is great. So good. Uh, but is there any analog for a Stormfront type character in real Hollywood? Because I was trying to think who in the world would be like from the Avengers cast, be like, Hey, this Hulk figure is bad. Don't buy, you know, Mark Ruffalo would never do that. None of those people would ever do that. Is there anybody who's even close to that in the real world? Or is that again, kind of stretched for satire? I mean, I think it's stretched. Like, who goes on a does press for something and it shit talks their project, basically? But, well, I mean, Mark Ruffalo is kind of the closest where he accidentally live streams something, you know, <laughs> and then would uh, accidentally spill secrets on shows. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they were accidents, but like he was uh, kind of like hurting his own uh, uh, kind of thing by giving away spoilers and stuff. It's it's different, but it's the only thing that I'm kind of like being able to uh, come up with that would be somewhat similar. I, I feel like part of the way that she is able to get away with it is this is a seven that is stretched thin. Like Stillwell would not yeah. have taken it, but yeah. Ashley has to take it because she's so scattered with absolutely everything that's going on, all the pressure from Homelander. Uh, and then you have, they're down a couple of members. Uh, everybody is all over the place. Maeve leaves in the middle to go visit her girlfriend. So there's a lot of things where like, it feels like Stormfront is able to do this because she's flying under the radar. Yeah, yeah that's that's totally fair. Yeah. Uh, what about the Maeve storyline? How do you feel about this? I feel like this is something that people were asking for a lot the last season. We got little touches of Maeve's home life, and they're definitely expanding it here. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's just Maeve seems like she is incapable of making the right choice. Uh, you know, she's and you just spinning out the relationship. It feels like, ah, this is such a harsh situation for for her. And like to do the right thing, I, I just don't think. She she can like she's cut she cut ties with the woman that she ostensibly loves because she's worried that Homelander will just kill her. And like, that's not that's not getting any better. Yeah, that's true. That's that's the thing. Like, nobody really knows what a psychopath he is, but she does. And, you know, like she's uh, trying to do the right thing for this woman's health and well-being. But she's like, oh, you know, putting it on Maeve. But it's it's tough. I really like seeing Maeve like this. And it's nice to kind of see her 
you know, with somebody where she can let her guard down and be herself. It's it's kind of nice to see this side of me. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Becca and Homelander, yes. because I, I kind of wanted to leave that for last, because that is definitely the most harrowing storyline in the episode. Uh Every single scene in there, and I know I've talked a lot about how great I think Anthony Starr is as Homelander, but watching Becca have to constantly, day after day, confront her rapist and be as seemingly pleasant around him as possible is harrowing to watch. It's it's the hardest part about this season, like seeing that happen. and you just see her constantly choosing between like protecting Ryan and putting up with uh, Homelander, and it's the the acting job is just so so well done there. Yeah, and uh, also what's kind of crazy is watching uh, your show, Justin, seeing what Homelander looks like in real life, and like seeing how different it is is kind of crazy. Uh, you know, to kind of see that, like, who Homelander becomes and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it's it, the the transformation is, is crazy, and it just like seeing how intense he is, and the fact that every time you think Becca's like, oh, Becca got away, she's got a moment, you know, like, and then like, oh, she's gonna finally get some help here with Homelander, and that gets shut down. It is just you. We're rooting for her the whole time, and it's just worse and worse and worse. And then when he confronts her, and it was like, yeah, you're right. I'm never going to you know, get bored. I was like, oh, poor Becca. It's terrible. I mean, there's certainly a level of metaphor there of that is a thing that people need to deal with, particularly if it is a husband or ex-husband or something like that um, who has abused or assaulted them. They are often forced to live with that. And when she goes to the doctor, the authority figure being like, I'm sorry, it's out of our hands. That happens every day all over the entire world. And it's terrifying and it's terrible. Um, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum though, there are some good, funny, sick moments that happen there. I love uh, Homelander telling Ryan, saying goodnight to Ryan Turning around saying, I love you, son, and Ryan being like, uh, oh, <laughs> and I'm saying, now you say it back, and him yeah. very awkwardly saying, I love you. Uh, I mean, that's abusive in a different way, but it's more in line with the regular level that Homelander is abusive. Well, and also what I love about it, too, is like, because we know Homelander was like, never had a family, was like raised in a lab and all that. Like, so he's like play acting dad from what he's learned from who knows, like TV. Yeah, TV. Yeah. The fact that he's like playing catch and like not sure how to do it. And like, that is so crazy. And then every time he gets close to the kid, I'm just so scared for this kid's life. And he's just like, just, yeah, use your powers, use your powers. We're gods. I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I'm just so worried that Ryan's going to get lasered in the eyes. We'll see what happens. He might. But if he has the powers of Homelander, he should be just fine. Eh. What do you think, Pete, at this point? Yes? No? Does he have powers? It does look like he has any powers at all. Hmm. And yeah, but it, you know, it would be cool if he tried to eye laser him and then he like eye lasered him back, you know, oh, like yeah. classic eye laser off. 
Like mm-hmm. they met in the middle, and it was like yeah. who's stronger? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or if it was like uh, they met in the middle, and it kind of was like the Lady in the Trap thing, and this is the night. It's a beautiful started playing, and they both bumped eyes, like they kissed <laughs> eyes. <laughs> they kissed yeah, what was that? Like Eskimo yeah. kissed. <laughs> yep, that. That's wow. what I was thinking. They uh, ate yeah. eye lasers like spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. They just sucked sucked it up. Yeah, the, the spaghetti in the eyes. Everybody knows that. Uh, that, is, that is the height of romance for you, right, Alex? The yeah, the eyes. That's how it's actually my wife and I. It's our wedding anniversary today, and that's how we uh, we first met is uh, bumping eyes. Nice. Wow. She must love that you're recording a podcast with us. The door is locked. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Not, a, not the answer anybody wanted to hear. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thanks. You man. should go, man. You should get out of here. I should go. Uh, we should actually start to wrap up this episode. Uh, but before we do, any other notes, any other things that you kind of want to call out? Uh, I wanted to mention the whole Pippi Longstocking story that Stormfront yes. tells is great. And the line, Pippi Longstocking would bite a D, that's for damn sure, is oh, very funny. Solid gold. Uh, also got to give it up for edible arrangements. When you want to send the very best, you send an edible arrangement. It's like, (laughs) it's worse than flowers because you'll probably just throw it away and it's food. Uh, There's like, there's like a two minute window where if you eat it, it's okay. mm -hmm. Why? You're going to eat it once it's been in the room with the dead people? (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Yeah. It's edible arrangements. The chocolate uh, at the over sign, the keeps their it slogan fresh. is it says edible arrangements right below it. Their slogan is uh, eat it on the sidewalk, okay? <laughs> 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 uh, what a. Uh, any other that parts? moment was really fun, though, where she's like looking at the flowers and it's like edible arrangements. And then he's like so proud of it. He's like, yeah. Uh, I will say, as a comic reader, it's very interesting to see Mallory brought back. So much yeah. because in the comics, Mallory, first of all, is Mal, but second of all, is a character very much in their past, sort of like this dark specter always looming over Butcher and everybody else. They talk about Mallory in these very hushed tones, and every once in a while we get a sense of how Mallory would often out-Butcher Butcher. Uh, but here, having Mallory be very much part of the story is interesting in a different way. I'm not sure how to feel about it yet, uh, but it's, it's cool to watch. Well, it's also interesting the way Rainer felt like that was her spot. And then she just died sort of unceremoniously last episode. Yeah. And then now here we have uh, Mallory Grace taking her, her place sort of as the person that Butcher goes to when he doesn't have any other options. And I I, I, I like Rainer. I, I feel like um, Mallory's so is ha- having that darkness and that history, I think is so good for this, for the show. Yeah, and this and I imagine it was, uh, Rainer was Jennifer Esposito, right? Yeah. Who is, uh, yeah. Giancarlo Esposito's sister, of course, as we all know. Definitely. Uh, true. yes, definitely true. Uh, but maybe she was busy or something like that. I don't know it, because yeah. you're right. They do fill the same spot. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, before we close up here, though, who was best boy in the episode? Pete, who was best boy? Uh, I think Starlight. Uh, she really had a, a great episode, uh, got to really show her range as far as, like, trying to come into her own a little bit while still dealing with all the madness of the team. So, uh, plus, I'm really glad that she's calling Huey out on his shit, and it's like, don't fucking lie to me, you douche. So... 
I, I thought she had a great episode. Yeah, I'm going to give it up for Kamiko in this episode. Uh, we didn't talk about her storyline much, but the stuff between the female and her brother was so good, so emotionally done. I love the fact that they just had a scene sitting on swings and talking um, and that it wasn't about the action, and then it's very, very slowly built to that incredible action sequence between the two of them, him just tossing her through a building, her jumping out of it. All of that stuff was absolutely fantastic. Uh, And I'm glad she's finally getting something to do. Like, she's been a great character, but to have her be the silent, quiet person who is funny every once in a while in the quarter and kills people, that's not enough to keep a character going on the show. I'm glad we're finally getting into what makes her tick and what she's about. All right, there you go. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Let's Hear It for the Boys. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out, chat with us about the boys socially. I hear it for the number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And remember, I want it that way. Bye-bye.